Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, friends. Hey, how are you doing? I mean, honestly, how are you doing? I want to tell you about something that's happening in my life, and it's really compelling to me. So I thought maybe it might be something that lands for you and might be helpful. You know, a couple of months ago, I was praying and I was spending time with the Lord. Actually, it was at the end of a sermon I had preached on prayer. It was in February, and um, I had asked everybody in the church to ask the Holy Spirit, what's one thing I'm supposed to be praying right now? And, uh, and I did the same. I asked the Lord and I, I had this, um, I heard him quickly as I was spending time just listening to him. I heard him quickly say to me, um, something to the effect of becoming the leader that God wanted me to be. And I was kind of wrecked by that statement for a while. And this was about a month before the coronavirus thing happened. And I, I really kind of decided, all right, Lord, I, I give you permission to grow me, right? To, to mold me, to shape me, all those things. And then the coronavirus happened and it's like my whole life has been flipped, turned upside down. Of course, all of you feel that way. And so, um, especially as it relates to motherhood, right? So I started reading this book and the book, I felt like it was one of those moments where I was on, on Facebook and somebody I follow who I really admire had posted, I just finished this book. It's so good. And it just caught my eye and it had one of those like, kind of moments to it where I just felt in my spirit, you need to get that book. So I grabbed it on Audible because, you know, hashtag don't have much time to read a paper book. And it was called Relational Intelligence. And oh my goodness, if you have ever had issues with relationships in your life, this might be the book for you. I mean, that might be too broad of a statement, but it's by this guy named Darius Daniels. And essentially he kind of goes into this theory behind the relationships in our life and the different people that come and go and why they come and go. And it was just like manna from heaven for me. And I could feel the Lord bringing clarity to a lot of different relationships I'd had in the past, both in gratitude and ones that had ended sadly. And it was just a liberating read for me. And I had also ordered this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So if you guys have been big fans of the podcast for a long time, a long time ago, many months ago, I did a podcast called Pull the Car Over. And it was about this quote uh, that's, that this book is actually written around. So I knew when I saw this book, I had to have it because this quote had stopped me in the tracks. Of course, it was John Ortberg. Uh, he's a semi-famous pastor, a great guy. I don't know him personally, but I really like his stuff. And uh, he was talking about having a conversation with Dallas Willard, a famous theologian and, and philosopher and professor at Fuller Seminary uh, until he passed away a couple years ago in California. And so uh, John was saying to Dallas, listen, my life is so hectic right now. You know, he was pastoring, he was associate pastor at a very large megachurch and having all these opportunities. And he said, how am I supposed to stay, stay sane? And Dallas paused for a moment and then he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so this book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this book is by a guy named John Mark Comer, who is a pastor in Portland, Oregon. And he actually is uh, mentored by John Ortberg, who was mentored by Dallas Willard, in case you're wondering how this quote got passed down. But the whole book is about how hurry affects us in our lives, both physically and spiritually. 
And I've been having this like fascinating experience with this book that I wanted to share with you guys. And maybe if nothing else, just kind of verbally process with you, because I think this hits for a lot of us where we are right now. Here's something God spoke to me at the beginning of the quarantine season. I felt like he said, you know, you're going to come out of this one or two ways. You're going to come out feeling like you wasted all of your time that was given to you with worry and fear. In other words, the fear of what might happen, the worry of what might happen, the panic causes the mind to not be able to engage with what God is wanting to do simultaneously. Didn't say God caused it, just saying God has a plan for it. And I thought that was really compelling, right? And I found myself multiple points of the last, I don't know, what are we in? Week seven, week eight, something like that. Found myself at multiple points kind of having this feeling of like, I don't want to miss what God is doing, but it feels like this tug of war in my soul to distract myself from all the frustration that I feel and to just kind of move into this binge watching abyss type thing, but then also having this nudge from the Holy Spirit to engage with his presence. And it feels like a war sometimes. I don't know about you, but I've pretty much exhausted all the new content that there is of TV shows that I enjoy. I've even watched some that are below my standards, which has been a real bummer because, you know, that I had to go repent of that and just feel like, man, Lord, I must be so bored. I'm gravitating to stuff that doesn't even make sense for me to do. And I know I'm not alone in that. But the truth of the matter is, why am I doing that? Because I'm trying to get out or escape. And this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I don't want to give away too much of it because honestly, I think it's a really good read for all of it. But you can kind of get the gist of it just by the title, right? That there's an atmosphere of hurry that we allow in our lives, which is completely counterintuitive to what God wants to do. And he actually has this statement about Jesus and the yoke that that Jesus was inviting people into. You guys know that verse that he says, you know, come to me for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And uh, Jesus says that. And so what happens, you know, when we understand that is we understand there's burden and there's weariness and heaviness. But what Jesus is actually saying in that and, and what he says, and I really like this. I like this analogy. He says that the yoke was a term. Not only was it a farming tool, and, and there's been some revelation in that, which has been great recently. And I've even preached on that um, in January at my church. But he said it's a farming tool, but it was also a term, kind of like a slang term for the way a rabbi would interpret the Bible. And so if a rabbi was to say to you, come and take my yoke upon you, it would be saying, come and be like I am. In modern day times, we could look at it like this, like come and take the yoke of being a Baptist on you. Come and take the yoke of being an assembly of God on you. Come and take the yoke. You see what I'm saying? Like, like this is my way of interpreting the Bible. This is what I think it means to live a life for God. And so come and adopt that for yourself. So what Jesus was saying was come and take my yoke upon you because it's easy and the burden of living it out is light. And I was really struck by how often it is that we think about Jesus, we think about, you know, loving God, we think about what it's like to live for God, but then we allow our schedules and even more than that, our mental space to be so filled with something other than what he has said. Here's a good example, like keep the Sabbath, right? Have a Sabbath. It's holy. 
And so in today's world, it's like, well, are we supposed to have a day where we don't do anything and we just lay around like great, like, you know, Greco-Roman kings having grapes fed to us as we lounge on a chaise? I mean, I don't know. That seems like a nice Sabbath, but I don't want to do that every week. Most of you guys may not know this, but I'm actually from a, a line of Jewish people. So on my father's side, everybody is Jewish for as long as we can know. It's been traced back to the year 1790. They're all Jewish and um, pretty fascinating history. But my dad's grandmother was very, very orthodox in her faith. And so much so that on the Sabbath, she would not drive. She would do nothing. In fact, she would pre-tear her toilet paper and lay it over the roll the night before the Sabbath so that she could not be condemned of, quote, working even to tear the toilet paper. Hashtag hardcore, right? I mean, this woman was absolutely adamant that she fulfilled the command that God had said. So when we think about what Jesus came to do with the new covenant, it does actually affect some of the laws that he set into motion. For example, the Sabbath is also sort of a lifestyle of abiding. But here's the thing that it doesn't say. It doesn't say that you never need any rest, that you never need time where you routinely sit down, think, be quiet, or, you know, maybe it's worship, but it's like, we're supposed to still have a Sabbath in our life. Our just, our American lives are not conducive to that, especially for those of you guys that have kids in the home. So I was really challenged by this. In fact, I've been challenged for the last several years about what it looks like to walk in a Sabbath mentality and also to, you know, do what God has asked me to do and parent the way that we're parenting. It's, it's very, it's almost like, you know, a graduate level mathematical formula. And what I found is that yes, the Sabbath is a lifestyle, right? It's a, it's a perspective that we're always living out of the place of God's rest in the new covenant, but also we have to make time to quiet ourselves And I think what this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is sparking in me is taking it up a notch. So in my daily life, you know, we're pastors. So Sundays are um, a little hectic for the first half of the day. And then usually the second half of the day, it's like we're a little bit overdone. And so everybody just kind of does their own thing in my home. Uh, We call Sundays screen time day because we let the kids kind of just dive into their screens and do whatever they want. Although most people would say a Sabbath would be a screen free day. But in our home, that's just kind of how it's been. Saturdays are the one day a week where the whole family is home together. Um, And so, you know, we're always trying to navigate that. And then now every day is a Saturday because there's no school and there wasn't school for the last several weeks. My point in saying this is that the Sabbath kind of changes depending on your season of life, what it looks like to you, but the command to have it is the same. I love how Jesus honored the ability to have a Sabbath and the need to have a Sabbath, and he modeled that so much in his life and ministry. And I think for me, I'm really challenged to evaluate what does it look like to take it up a notch? What does it look like to allow healthy boredom in my life? Okay. Even just saying that out loud makes me want to puke a little bit because I'm an Enneagram seven and we're allergic to boredom. That's just how we are. Boredom often, you know, is the doorway to lots of feelings that we don't want to feel. But even in our healthy place, even, you know, for most people in their healthy place, boredom is just frustrating because you only have this certain amount of time. It's kind of like, man, I've got an hour here. 
but I'm going to spend 30 minutes of it trying to figure out what to do. And then I'm not going to enjoy the last 30. What am I saying with this? What does it look like if we just unplug a little bit from the rat race of life, from the need to distract from the boredom and begin embracing even just a little bit more the rest of God? Let's go back to this yoke that's easy thing. So in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, what he says that I love is this idea that what Jesus was saying was not, here's a mattress to take a nap. He's not saying, wow, come to me, those are who are hurry, they're, they're heavy, they're burdened, and, and lay yourself down and I will sing a lullaby and you'll be lulled into a beautiful rest. No, he actually gives them a piece of farming equipment as an analogy for their help. He actually gives them work for the anecdote to their tiredness. It's pretty interesting to consider it this way, but essentially what the book is saying and what I loved about it was this idea that what Jesus is inviting you into is not a set of rules, but a way of life a way of living life in a way that's both savoring the moment and being attentive to what God is doing in your soul. One thing I've been really appreciative about of this whole kind of quarantine season is the pace of life it's brought into my home and the opportunity it's given me to choose whether I'm going to distract myself with distractions, because they're nothing more than that, or whether I'm going to allow myself to be present. I don't think I'm alone in this, and I've been practicing this for a long time, but I'm still not great at it. This need to to be in five places at once, that's what feels thrilling and fulfilling to me. But here I am in one place with the same people every day trying to figure out what to eat out of the same three bags of groceries I bought. I mean, it's just a little mundane. I've done so many puzzles on a side note during this quarantine that part of me is like, I need more, more, more. And the other part of me is like, who are you becoming? I'm one step away from being a cat lady if my son wasn't allergic. I'm two steps away of being that person who Instagrams their pet all the time. No shame if that's you. But here's the thing. I want to pay attention to this war on my soul because what it's doing is giving me permission, giving me opportunity to practice who I know God to be for me. I want to live on a Sabbath pattern every day. Not like I don't want to work, but I want to live from the atmosphere of the Sabbath. Don't you? From the place where I don't feel rushed. I don't feel hurried. I don't feel like I'm trying to wish my life away. I don't feel like I'm trying to get from one thing to the next. I don't feel like I'm trying to arrive somewhere so that the frustration of this season goes away. What does it look like to pause in that way, to reflect, to absorb the Holy Spirit and his presence in this moment right now? Something I've been saying to my kids a ton in the last couple of weeks is don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I think it's like Abraham Lincoln or someone who said that. But, you know, my parents would say this to me all the time as a kid because I was a world class procrastinator and I just hated it. Every time they'd say it, I'm like, no, because tomorrow I can do it twice as fast. 
Well, here I am with my kids. We just thank the living Lord on high. We just finished the the learning at home, homeschool type thing, crisis schooling, whatever you want to call it. It's done. Thank you, Jesus. The angels that were dispatched to us to minister to us in our frustration can now move on to other assignments and we can, you know, move into summer mode. But I found myself saying to my kids on a weekly basis, don't procrastinate. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And, you know, one of my kids in particular, I'm not going to name any names, really struggled with this and was in tears multiple Fridays of this quarantine because he waited, oops, sorry, but he waited so long to do his work. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. How does that statement affect your spiritual life? What are you putting off till tomorrow? Well, I'll spend time with the Lord tomorrow. Well, I'll listen to him tomorrow. I'll I'll pray about that thing tomorrow. I'll, I'll read that book tomorrow. I'll journal tomorrow. And then it becomes tomorrow again. And then tomorrow again. And then you miss a whole season of life. So maybe, I don't want to relegate the Sabbath down to that because this would be heretical, but maybe a part of the Sabbath is choosing to do today what you can. Isn't it Jesus himself who said, give us today our daily bread? What is the provision that's for you today? What is the word for the, from the Lord for you today? What is the revelation on the scripture that you're reading today? And if we're always putting it off till tomorrow because we're trying to distract ourselves, then maybe the Sabbath is a divine reset to say, get this now, unplug now so that you don't miss a moment with the Lord. This is what's been challenging in my heart right now. And just trying to think through what does it look like to put my phone away and all my screens away? You know, I'm like totally the kind of person who plays a puzzle game while I'm watching TV. I'm just, ugh, it's, it's embarrassing how much multitasking I enjoy while really not doing anything. Um, but I've been challenging myself. What does it look like to not do that in this season? What does it look like to only watch a TV show that I actually want to put my eyes on the whole time instead of being on Facebook as well? How much less TV would I watch if I was truly focused? I don't know if this is helpful for you. I hope it is. These are some of the questions that I'm asking myself in this season. And I just kind of felt that nudge from the Holy Spirit that it might be helpful for some of you as well. I know some of you guys are like blowing and going in your jobs and you've got really crazy busy schedules. So maybe the question for you is what does a Sabbath do to how can the Sabbath reframe for you, right? What does it do to help you reset so that you can function in your day-to-day life. And for those of us that feel like life has come to a major screeching halt, what does a Sabbath mentality do to help you not just distract your way through the next three months, but really be present, focused, and gain ground in the kingdom in the midst of it? I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're staying healthy. I hope that you're staying emotionally healthy. I hope that you're reaching out for the relationships that you need in your life, calling friends, spending time with them and all of that. Um, Because listen, we're going to make it through this year thriving in abundance if we put the time in and we pay attention to what God is doing. So I love you guys. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.